Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Her only personality trait is being insecure, quote right. unquote. Men love that. Well, I know that because of One Direction. It's like, you're insecure. <laughs> Don't know what for. But right? is that where she learned it? Like, we, we, her and I both grew up in the, like the, the era of One Direction. Is that just like what we've been conditioned to be insecure about? Here's the funny insecure? thing. I feel like I learned from One Direction and previous messaging that existed prior to One Direction that it was like kind of enough to be insecure. But the thing is, you also have to be insanely hot. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. This week on The Bachelor, you know, the Varsity ladies, they only know how to do one thing. Deny, attack, and reverse victim and offender. This episode may find a second life as a training video for teachers to recognize bullying dynamics in middle school and high schools. And you know, just in time for Black History Month, we get a masterclass in weaponized white fragility. It was quite a week. I mean, Matt's love journey was essentially on the back burner while he played whack-a-mole with all the house bullies. So I guess that's what we'll be doing as well. And here to unpack all of the truly distressing scenes with us is content creator, YouTuber, and just general woman about town, uh, but in her home during COVID, Alexa Losi. Hi, and there's Ruth. So if you guys hear a cat in the back, that is my <laughs> new kitten. Extremely and cute. She would be in the bedroom if I had walls, but I live in like a forklift loft. So we don't we don't have walls here, which means she just does whatever she wants. Yeah. A fun thing about female cats is they're more vocal than male cats, which I I've learned can be very distracting during the day. And she's she's also a Siamese, which just like brings it up another level. Oh, so we're just she's, talking she's all channeling day. her namesake's energy, RBG. Oh, she really right. is. Yeah. Well, we look forward to both of you joining us today. Um, I hope that Ruth has some thoughts prepared on the spectacle we saw last night, which, I mean, they start us off with another of these, like, cold open clips, which I hate more and more. Um, (laughs) This one, we get a preview that Victoria will be upset at a rose ceremony. Fine. But let's take it back a little bit. We see Victoria and Kit kind of walking through the grounds 
this is like a new genre of footage from these seasons where they're on these resort properties where you just see them kind of roaming the grounds. You never used to like really see them outside of their common room area in between dates. I kind of like it. I'm like, it's it's nice that they get to like get out, have <laughs> a get coffee, go on a walk, go on a jog. Like it looks much more pleasant than being stuck in the bachelor mansion, honestly. Yeah, but it feels course, very like we're having our morning walk at the at the sanitarium or something. Exactly. <laughs> sanitarium. <laughs> to to bring it back to Victorian times. Um Victorian so, Vic- times. <laughs> Love it. It is Victorian times. Victoria and Kit are walking together and like it's hard to tell with the editing. It's a distanced shot. We're getting some dialogue between the two of them. It's who knows if it's exactly from this moment, but we hear them talking about how Victoria just loves the OGs, which is hilarious considering how awful she was to them before a new enemy showed up. She's like, oh, I just love the OGs. It's just been hard since the new girls came. They pass Ryan and Brittany walking the other direction. And when the passage has occurred, we hear Victoria saying, oh, they're so annoying. So disgusting. Ugh, like it's gross. So again, we don't know for sure if that happened in this moment, but um, it's certainly the case that these things were said, and Ryan and Brittany are also testifying to the fact that they have been being bullied. Like, they're hearing a lot of nasty comments from some of the women who are in the house before they arrived. We also get, like, a scene where MJ, who has done a full heel turn, is reassuring Anna like, you did the right thing by saying something about Brittany. Like, don't even worry about how you accused some poor woman of being a sex worker without any real evidence and for no good reason on national television. I, like, the way this whole episode was engineered, like, what did you guys think about it? I felt like the vibe and, like, the, the editing choices, like, everything felt so different from a standard Bachelor episode. Like, it felt like a different genre. The editing was really wild. Like they skipped back and forth between times of day. There there were definitely a lot of Frankenbites that I kind of picked up on. Um, although I, I do believe that like the general bullying vibe, it was a very real, real thing. But it was like the cuts were kind of confusing. It felt like, again, we're, we're getting so much focus on the handful of white women who are behaving worst. And that is coming at the expense of like any characters that we can kind of um, attach ourselves to as viewers and and feel excited about. I'm like, oh, right. Matt's allegedly dating, but this is not like it doesn't feel like a dating show. No, it felt like it really felt like an influencer event gone extremely wrong. Like I forgot (laughs) that they were there for love. The entire time I was like this just feels like Lord of the Flies this feels like a train wreck yeah it does <laughs> like feel it literally like you're watching this and like this doesn't even feel like TV like it gave me the ick <laughs> just yeah wasn't I into think it. Yeah. I think it ick felt is, like is a, a sort great... of like satirical like dystopian horror movie set at an influencer conference like <laughs> there's like a sense of uh, foreboding that just pervaded every action we see them all like we're pre-row ceremony at this point because there was a cliffhanger last episode and we see the women like applying their makeup and doing hair, but like the, the music cues and the expressions and the, the shots that the women in the shots that we see, it just feels very ominous in a way that even on the show, 
when they're trying to do ominous, it was darker than that. Like they're taking it another level. Like they're going to get there and it's going to be Thunderdome um, or like someone's going to poison everyone. Like there's something off. I also Um, like that they tried to kind of set it up. You know, they get to the cocktail party and they sort of have uh, the main kind of villains of this this section, Anna and Victoria, being like, you know, I feel so much better. Things are just going to go well for me. Like, I was worried, but now things are calming down and we're just going to, like, have a nice time with Matt. And Matt walks in and is like, I am here to shut this shit down. Um, he basically, you know, addresses what Katie had told him before and says, I hear there's a mob mentality. I hear there's been a culture of bullying. I hear someone is spreading rumors that could ruin someone's life. And then he says, quote, if you have to belittle someone else for you to shine, those aren't the qualities I'm looking for in my wife. Um, and I really was glad that he said that and that he was super clear and he immediately pulls Brittany and Anna, you just see her face fall. She's like, I'm screwed. I've yeah. been told on. I'm like, fucked. I really felt for Matt in this moment, like the exhaustion of being like, again, like Sisyphus. Like, I keep trying to fall in love. A lot of women, they're all hot. I could probably fall in love with basically any of them, but they just keep giving me new things to deal with that aren't falling in love with women. And like, I just want to <laughs> break, like Jesus Christ. And I mean, he would never say that because he's a man of God, but he has to basically spend this episode ferreting out all of the the bullies in the house and getting rid of them so that he can just have a little time to relax. <laughs> He's like a uh, like a, a high school guidance counselor sort of vibe where he's like, you're not a bad person, but I think you need some space away from this situation. Like you need to be removed. Like he's like a disciplinarian, like <laughs> some tough love. And he's like, and then he's like, I'm just trying to like make out. And yet here we are. He's your high school guidance counselor who wants to make out. Who with wants some to of make you. out. Totally. <laughs> it's so crazy though, because I feel like he's the only bachelor that has done like very bachelorette things in that way. Like I feel like every episode of the bachelorette, like she's having to facilitate all of this drama when it's like, there's been no other bachelor that's really done that. And he's kind of just taken charge, which is making him one of my more favorite bachelors. It's true. Like I feel like so often and I'm surprised because there were points early in the season when I felt like his inexperience with the show was telling he didn't know when Victoria and Marilyn were in conflict, how to handle it, I think made a bad decision, but possibly producer driven. But Mm -hmm. he's really stepped up in a way that you typically would see the guy be like, well, you said this and you said that. I think you're both hot. So like, who can really say? say? Why don't you both just stick around? And instead, he's like, you know, I heard you were bullying and you got to go. Like, that's it. That's that's the situation. I heard someone else is bullying. She's also got to go. Like, no tolerance for that. Um, and I was really impressed, actually. Me too. It, it was refreshing to just see someone kind of take some decisive action and not do the thing that we saw a lot from, like, Colton and Peter, where it was like, I must investigate. And by investigate, I mean just hear two women say some things and be like, who could make a judgment based on the information I have? Like, Matt seemed to actually take information in, see that women were clearly hurt and like 
privileged that like the the obvious hurt held more weight which was nice to see and mm-hmm. I wonder, I don't know if Matt knew that Victoria was up to shenanigans with Marilyn and he was just like, they want me to keep Victoria for drama and like, whatever, I will. Or if he has given her like one chance and then was like, this is happening again. Like, it's not looking so good for Victoria anymore. But either way, uh, he's definitely stepping up. He sits yeah. down with Brittany uh, and he he's like, what's going on? And she's already crying and... I think gives a very generous to Anna description of what happened, which is Anna came up to me to apologize and said that she was telling everyone in the house that Brittany was an escort. And I want to say from what we saw, it didn't seem like Anna apologized until Brittany was like, excuse me, you were saying what? And then Anna was like, oh, right. Yes. I guess when you say it that way, it does sound bad. And I shouldn't have said that. Um, And meanwhile, MJ and Anna are kind of scheming a little bit. Anna's very nervous. She knows she's in trouble. MJ's like, listen, it's fine. We need to make Matt feel better. It's not a toxic environment in the house at all. You just need to go talk to him. Smooth this over. It's going to be fine. And so Matt heads off to talk to Anna. And Anna decides to just, like, lay it all out, apologize, hope for the best. So I thought that Anna actually handled this the best of any of the women who were kind of confronted about their bad behavior during this episode. I mean, the bar is super low, so I'm not trying to give like any gold stars here. But at least Anna sat down with Matt and immediately was like, I did something that was not okay. Um, She does kind of like downplay it and call it an offhand comment, which like, was it really an offhand comment? Here's I want to quote actually what she says, because she is the only person to apologize instead of lying. I think she takes the only person to like really cop to what happened. But what she says was, I'm so sad and upset with myself before coming. I received messages about another girl who would be here, Brittany. And when I saw her, she says, the worst thing I could say was said. By who, Anna? Who <laughs> said it? It was said <laughs> it by was someone. Sad. I have very rarely seen passive voice doing so much work in an apology. And then she's like, oh, I immediately felt horrible about it and completely apologized for it, which is like putting a very a generous gloss on what she did. And then she's like, I feel so bad I'm ba- breaking out in a rash. I mean, I, again, again, no gold stars, but at least she admitted that she said the thing, like somewhat. At least she didn't say that's a lie and Brittany is a bad person. And, you know, she took some accountability and then like accepted the consequences, which yeah. was Matt sending her home. He's like, look, you're you're not a horrible person. Um, he's like, we've all said things that that we wanted to take back. Or laughed like, about things that we wish we right. hadn't laughed about, right, Matt? I know. Ironic Happened timing, to... <laughs> given everything that has, has come out about, you know, Matt and his friends uh, making fun of Victoria's body. But we digress. <laughs> um, and he's like, I've had to take the responsibility for things that I've said that have been shitty. And I have to take responsibility for the women who are here. And I can't see you being a part of this journey anymore. And I think, like, that was the right thing for him to do. And he kind of just walks her out. And that's that's it for Anna. Goodbye. This also made me so infuriated. I don't know if you guys had covered this, but my batch chat group, it's all people that have, like, very much been in other cities and, like, kind of get the scene of it. 
they kind of like this one girl was like, no, I remember I used to go to this nightclub all the time. And Anna was the bottle girl. Of like a very like clubby club. And so my theory is Brittany used to go to that club at big spenders tables. And Anna got kind of sick of seeing Brittany there all the time that she just kind of made up this rumor. That's I feel like there's definitely something going on in the Chicago scene that like, yeah, I have no access to. But I did see the photos that Anna was working as a bottle girl. And I feel like there was some implication that Anna had that was like she wasn't part of that crew of women. Like she wasn't working as a bottle girl, but she was like around with rich men. So it sounds like something like that for sure. But yeah, so somebody from the Chicago scene, whatever, was kind of like filling everybody in and was saying that like Anna was at the club that's kind of notorious for like escorts going to with guys And so she just, I feel like, was in the mix of those people. And then there was someone that probably said an offhanded random rumor that she then brought into the entire show. Right. It's just clear. There's totally nothing wrong with being a bottle girl or being an escort. Or being an escort. What a gross thing to, like, bring into this conversation on national television. And I, the way that she keeps acting like this was out of character and weird and random when she clearly took a lot of glee in saying it on multiple mm-hmm. occasions that were filmed like that it still upsets me like I'm glad that she owned up to it and apologized but yeah. like I don't think that she really copped and understandably I don't think she really copped to how strategic and joyful it was that she spread this rumor yeah very 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 weird but yeah. one down and I am I am glad um, we then cut back to the main sitting room and I found this inter- interesting. Chelsea's kind of like asking the newer women. She's like, bullying's a really strong word. Like, I don't really think the house is toxic. Do you? And they're all like, yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> they're like, yes. <laughs> Michelle's like, yeah, people have been super disrespectful and like other people have like laughed at these really disrespectful comments and it's not okay. And Catalina's like, yeah, it's it really sucks. And suddenly, I think all of the women are like, shit, we've been complicit. Yeah. And they, they go definitely on an apology saw Anna. They saw Anna being walked out. So they're like, okay, time to care about this. <laughs> it feels like a bunch of first graders. Oh, yeah. It was just kind of, it was kind of embarrassing. Like, you know, there are some women who we don't know the extent of everyone's involvement in the bullying. Like, there are women that we saw making comments or laughing, but, like, we don't really know for sure about everyone. So, like, you see Serena, I think Serena P. apologizing for being completely oblivious. We're not really equipped to say whether she was oblivious or participating. But when Kid apologizes for not being more open, I'm like, I feel like you were more than not open. Um and Ryan is like, you know, everyone's apologizing all of a sudden, but why would we really believe that anyone is being sincere? Because they've been okay with it for days now. Um, and now that Matt's cracking down, they're they're trying to make up. And then we see Victoria attempt an apology tour, She's which make- we just Ugh. know is like absurd. Absolutely absurd. It's She's hilarious like, just, the things she has to fun. apologize for. <laughs> She's like, when I just stole your crown days ago uh, that I did not apologize for before, it wasn't malicious. It was just like good fun. This is Victoria's move. She's like, 
she's extremely cruel. And then she's like, none of that was serious. It's just how I have a good time. And you should all be aware of how casual uh, and not serious my cruelty is. And that's on you. Yeah, like she's going, she goes around basically being like, I would have warmed up to you, but like, I I don't think you were treated fairly. I wanted you to know that. I'm basically on your side. Like, no one believes you, Victoria. Um, like, ma'am, you literally spearheaded this campaign. It's this move of like, well, I was just having fun as almost a threat. Like, if you don't agree that we were just being playful, then like, I'm going to do it again. Like, <laughs> it's not a very good it's apology. So weird. Literally um, worst villain of all time. It's just, it's it's exhausting. So Matt. But don't you miss Corinne? I don't, no. You know what? I don't miss Corinne. <laughs> I don't Corinne miss Corinne either. Really <laughs> but like. <laughs> it's amazing how they keep scraping the bottom. I'm like, who else was a fun villain? Because Corinne definitely isn't. Who's somebody that was just like a lighthearted villain? Yeah, I mean, there have been some more fun villains, but I feel like they become less memorable as villains. Often they're like kind of absorbed into other franchise like uh, seasons and roles and and you kind of forget that they were a villain at all. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen with Victoria, but um, oh, no, Matt asked Ryan Matt asked Ryan what she thinks about Swin. He's like making the tour of the new women now. He's like, tell me what you've been experiencing. And Ryan says, well, the main problem has been Victoria. She's constantly making comments on my first group date. She toasted to the OGs like being exclusionary. And because I'm a dancer, she called me a hoe. And Ryan gets very upset about this. Like, she's very emotional about this word having been used about her. And she's like, she just apologized to me in the hallway, but I don't think it was sincere. (laughs) Which, like, no shit. Um, So this kind of seems to seal, or at least um, as it's presented to us, seals Victoria's fate. Yeah, I think Matt's kind of kind of done when he hears that. I mean, it's just such a juvenile insult. It's such like a basic gendered like she's really like and racialized. I feel like like and right and racialized. Like I think that Victoria seems to have this like specific obsession with painting herself a white woman as like inherently classy, and all of these other women she has pretty much only gone after or primarily gone after women of color um, and painting them as, you know, trashy or slutty or hoes, quote unquote. Um, And that like 100% has, has a racial angle to it. And it's really disgusting. And I'm glad that Matt was like, this is done. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. So Matt does, um, decide to talk to Victoria but first Victoria goes up to Ryan and asks what they talked about and Ryan's like well I did tell him about the toast you made on our group date and this is when Victoria's like oh but I'm always playful I'm never malicious and that saying that to Matt makes your actions towards me look really fake and Ryan's like well I'm not always nice but I'm not fake and mid-sentence Victoria just walks away um which like it's such a minor thing but the level of just like as if she doesn't it's see Ryan as a person that she's talking to. Um, ugh. So this is uh, this is seems to be the beginning of Victoria's breaking point. She thought tonight was going to be a good night for her. It's turning the other way. Um, she goes to talk to Matt. 
And but first she like clearly talks to a producer. And yeah. she's like, the girls, they're fake as shit. They're not his wives. Like my good outshines the shit in the house. Like she's just losing her mind. She's devolving. Um, and <laughs> she sits down with Matt and tries to put herself on the good side of things. She's like, I loved what you said about the culture in the house and how seriously you're taking it. Um, and he's like, thank you. <laughs> he's like, well, speaking of that. Uh, um, yeah. And she's like, well, Ryan told me she was upset about the toast. So I know there are things I can work on, which is good, you know, to admit to these things and to be like, I'm part of the solution. She was really making a play for it. And Matt's like, well, that's why when Katie brought this to my attention. Snitch. Matt, you know better than to be a goddamn snitch. Yeah. Um, this No one knew it was Katie until this point. I am wondering if Victoria told anyone before leaving the house. We haven't seen whether that happened or not yet. Um, but he's like, you know, Ryan's very upset. Um, and words are powerful. You called her a hoe. Um, and Victoria says, well, that was taken completely out of context. And this was my favorite Matt line. He was like, uh, I'm just curious what context would calling somebody a hoe be acceptable? And she just seems like flummoxed by this. I mean, maybe they cut away and she did, in fact, respond. But it was just like, but like, what could you possibly say to that? And this was a scene where I was like, I guess, the, and I'm always, I'm like constantly like, this is so bad. Could this have been cut together in a weird way? But like, he explicitly, with his comment, demonstrates that she was saying that the hoe comment was taken out of context, and that was her defense. Just like, so he ends this conversation without sending her home. Um, but it's not looking good for her, and Victoria can tell. She feels it coming. She's in her in the moment. She's like, am I missing something? I make the house toxic. That's completely crazy. You know, I don't ever want to be called a bully or toxic. This was a big thing this episode is the white women who are bullying being like, do not call me that. I don't ever want to be called that. It really felt like the defense that white people use where they're like, the worst thing you could do to me is call me a racist. They're like, the racism is not the worst thing, but calling me or my actions racist is the worst thing. And that's what it felt like. It was like the actual bullying and harm isn't the worst thing, but to call me a bully, nothing has ever, like there's no greater pain you could inflict on a person. Right. It's not even like I don't want to be a bully. No, you just can't be called that. Mm -hmm. How dare you, Claire? How dare I'm speaking to the manager of this establishment. (laughs) What did you guys think about how we see Victoria's progression through the rest of the night? Because we see her in some in the moments. We see her, you know, Matt calls into the cocktail party early to prepare for the rose ceremony. We see Victoria, like, go to the ladies' room. We see her sit outside. She appears to be talking to a producer throughout all of this. Um, She's saying, like, it's not funny anymore. I'm getting feelings invested. That was a really hard conversation. And now that I'm taking it seriously to be his wife, it's frustrating. Also, she says there's no, literally, there's no one in the, 
in the house he can marry besides me. I'm literally the best option for him. She also says the- Ryan is the shadiest bitch. So, like, she's just, like, not learned her lesson. I can't tell. Like, is this before or after she talks to Matt? I mean, it appears to be after. But it's, like, a very weird way to respond. And it also seems like the women inside can actually hear the really rude things she's saying about them. Like, she says... I'm the only one with a working brain in there. I'm not even being rude. I'm like, that's a very rude thing to say. But she's not being rude. Like, she seems to think rude means insincere. Like, she's like, it's not rude. I just actually think that. Um, (laughs) It's just my very earnest opinion. The things that she's saying felt odd to include. Like, some of them felt, you know, drama. But they intentionally included her saying to a producer, like, it's not funny anymore, and now I'm taking it seriously to be his wife. So it seems like they're trying to sort of set her up as, like, she didn't come here for the right reasons. Um, Not saying that she did come for the right reasons, (laughs) but they're, like, leaking her, sort of heavily implying that she was originally there to, like, stir shit up. It did feel like one of those conversations that, like, probably happened, I mean, not to to this extent or this level of delusion but I'm sure there are a lot of like you know very frustrated conversations that happen with producers throughout and and they usually aren't shown and so when they are shown they're like they feel um especially telling and it was just like oh man I mean I'm sure a lot of like some of this stuff was franken bitten together um but in totality it just it doesn't it doesn't paint a good picture. And it's like, even if half of this stuff was completely taken out of context, her behavior was still appalling. Well, it's like, right? the, it's like, like the whole context, uh, the, the whole situation. Right. Like, can you say Ryan is the shadiest bitch or <laughs> Ryan is a hoe and have that be validated okay. by context? Like, I personally don't really think so. No. Um, Especially given what we have also seen about the way that she treats women directly in front of her in context. Um, So she knows that things are not going well. She's like hyperventilating. She's like, I'm going to throw up. And then it is rose ceremony time, finally. And yet we're only halfway through this episode. (laughs) So three women have roses there were uh, there were 20 women at the start of the night. Now Anna's gone home. There are 19. Um, so there are going to be 15 women at the end of, of this rose ceremony. I'm so glad. We're like, just start. They need to call the crowd. They're so yeah. far into the season and there's still so many women. Like when Alex Michelle was the bachelor, the se- there were basically like two women left at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and look <laughs> how well that worked to make out. those cuts. Keep making those cuts. Um, and we we do see some footage of Victoria that like brings to mind the thought that like she she does seem to be like suffering in some way um, that she's lashing out. We see her, you know, saying like, "Oh, I'm actually I'm kind hearted. I'm honest. I'm genuine. I'm hardworking. I'm fun. I'm loyal. I'm like the most loyal." And like. I was clear and concise in my communications to him. Like, she's, like, listing her, like, resume, but she seems to to know on some level that it's not I just, really true. I hope she has a good therapist Me because too. there's yeah. some, like, pain that needs to be unpacked there. 
So, so the roses go the roses. to uh, Brittany, Ryan, Rachel, Serena P, Maggie, Kit, MJ, Katie, Jasenia, Abigail, Chelsea, and Serena C. And this means that Victoria is going home, um, thank God, and also Mari, Catalina, and Lauren. Um, so the, fir- the other three women come up and do their traditional hug goodbye, you know, good luck on your journey to love nice to meet you victoria walks up and just sort of like confronts him um she's like i honestly feel so sorry for you that you would listen to hearsay and not all of the facts behind the situation and he's completely nonplussed by this so he just kind of stares at her until she's like uh goodbye and leaves Um, I mean, how do you respond to that? Like, that's technically what happened. I guess you could consider it hearsay, but I mean, in that that sense, so is whatever Victoria said. Uh, He wasn't present for the situation, um, and I don't see why he would believe her um, or litigate this at the rose ceremony. No, he's like, you are gone, we are done. And Victoria, she really, again, no self-reflection, no like sobering moment like Anna of like, I'm really disappointed in myself. It's just like, wow, I feel sorry for Matt and all the other women must be bereft because I brought all the joy into the house. And like, everyone seems okay. I'm just going to say it, like these women seem to be fine without Victoria. I just it's there's a there's a part of like she acted so badly and like the the way that she treated especially like the women of color that she zeroed in on was so awful and I absolutely do not want to like justify or belittle or excuse that in any way but those comments like that like I would be very surprised if the girls are okay that I left the whole house is going to feel like shit I brought so many people joy like to me that is a comment that like derives from a very deep sense of insecurity that people don't like her 100 percent um which they probably don't because she was so awful to them and yeah it's just sad so everyone's fine they toast fresh page we're gonna take a quick break but when we get back we'll have more with alexa losi Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. 
Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, keto, vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out. You won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space. And even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And now back to the show. The next day, the dates begin. Rachel gets the first one-on-one. Rachel, our fairy tale begins today. And that means that Rachel is getting the big, pretty woman-style Cinderella date of the season. Um, it's a chance for Matt to wear another uh, sort of earth-toned chore coat and turtleneck set, um, which is his, his signature look. His signature look. Um, and so they have, I don't know if this is like a a real boutique that exists on the grounds of Nima Colon, which Honestly, it so probably many- <laughs> does. These like high-end resorts do tend to have like entire um, overpriced boutiques on them. Wild. But these dresses are weird. <laughs> like I've never seen them before. And uh, I work very fashion adjacent. And I was like, I don't know where these no, came from. No, but don't you feel like they might be... Like, because they didn't say the brand, like, normally they would be like, Revolve has supplied whatever, <laughs> you know, like, but it I, it made me feel like it was one of those, like, just overpriced pseudo designer 
things that like exist only on high-end resorts like there's like a whole like cottage industry of these of these places thousand percent yeah um i completely and then the red bottoms yeah it's like oh you're staying at nema colon and you forgot to get a gown for the black tie dinner that you're going to at the restaurant um i liked some of them I liked the one that that Matt loved, but I didn't really know where it'd be practical to wear, which is like a gauzy a ruched mini dress with shoulder capes. And it I was like, that was pretty cute. Maybe I'd yeah, wear it, it in a cute. music video or something. I don't know. Maybe get into music videos. I mean, if or like you know, on TV, like it's a it's a great <laughs> yeah, it's dramatic look, TV specific dramatic look. I mean, she looked beautiful in all of them. These dates are always so odd because there's like very little conversation or like actual interaction between the lead and the um you know fairy princess at the center (laughs) and there's like such a it's it's just like such a bizarre vibe like I always have two feelings about it like on the one hand I'm like I hate this it's such like a weird infantilizing like gross idea that like what makes a good relationship is a man just like bestowing a lot of material goods on a woman and like that's what being loved it like it just gives it's obviously the messaging is incredibly problematic on the other hand I'm like god it's like the best prize for being on this show is to get one of these dumb dates and then you like (sighs) whether or not you leave with love you like leave with a bunch of free clothes like I like free clothes yeah like I I would like I would take some free Louboutins you know so (laughs) these are my conflicting these are my conflicting feels oh totally I would rather I I I feel like when it's the men who get a date like this, it feels more comfortable because I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice to get some free stuff. And there isn't this weird sort of history of, you know, older men or whatever, like wealthier men, like showering the nubile woman with. Right. And, oh, oh I'm spoiling you today, which like, ooh. Um there are a lot of comments like that, of course. It's the paradigm, you know. She's like, oh, I've never been treated like an actual princess like this before, which I guess just means, like, having a man buy her a ton of couture. Um, like, it's funny, too, like, they do these Cinderella dates, and it's always, like, these bougie women who clearly are, like, influencers and live very comfortable lifestyles, and they're like, oh, finally, I'm being spoiled. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you seem like you're doing pretty well most of the time. Um, she gets the Louboutins to to top off her dress and she weeps. She's like, I've never had a pair of shoes over $40 on my feet, which like, what? Claire I'm was sure like that's not true. This. Claire was like, Come that's a lie. On. That's a lie. Is this a pay less ad? Like, she's like, oh yeah, I'm like an influencer and I wear only $25 shoes. Come on. I know. I was like, look, even DSW heels cost <laughs> more than $40. <laughs> was she an influencer prior to the show? Maybe not. But I like, don't know. She's like 22. So like. A, I've only glanced probably... at her social media a little bit, but it has the influencer look. And so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me, Alexa, like she doesn't you, look. You t- like know. It's not the look of like, I'm from a hard scrabble background and <laughs> I've clawed my way up to be on The Bachelor. Um. It's, you know, she, it's she always well has cute curated. outfits, well curated, yeah. shiny hair. Um, <laughs> shiny good hair. for her, really. Um, I always notice shininess of hair because mine is naturally not shiny at all. And I no, realize some people do have that naturally, but I digress. So 
they have this date where their main interaction seems to be him being like, woo, you look hot. And she's like, I love being spoiled. And then they send her back, still in her gorgeous outfit, with all her shopping bags. And then they're in love. This is so cruel. This is just so mean. Like, all the other women have just come off of this, like, emotional night of, like, a bunch of, you know, women being sent home. All of this conflict. And then, like, Rachel comes back in, like, huge smile on her face with... 20 shopping bags and like a personal footman behind her like presenting a new <laughs> gown like it's like I would be so annoyed if I if like I don't know if I was if I was in that situation I would just be like fuck you like it wouldn't be rational but I would hate her I wouldn't be surprised no, I totally get that I wouldn't be surprised if they stuffed some of the bags just to make her entrance more enviable um oh totally okay, so I am I am looking at her old clothes on Instagram. Payless? And very cute. She looks great. Rachel's. <laughs> it's like not Payless. It's really cute, but it's for sure like well-styled boohoo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that sounds correct. So maybe it is the first pair of like it, fancy It could shoes definitely be wearing. the first pair of Louboutins, to be fair. I've never worn $400 shoes. I, would, I wouldn't say that they were all cheaper than $40 either. You know, it's like... There's a lot. Yeah, in you're between. like you've. It's like you've worn like a, a solid like ninety five dollar pair of heels. I feel like most yeah. most women yeah. in this position have, have. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, and if so, um, Rachel, I apologize. Um, <laughs> Rachel, the real great investigative style. journalism we need. Yeah, I think Her- she's super cute. I mean. I guess we can get uh, let's get into the dinner portion because yes. I think we need to like get into some greater context about about Rachel off show. One second. I have a fact check. Um, the shoes retail for eight hundred and forty five dollars. Ah, eight hundred and forty five dollars. I mean, OK, yeah, that that's look. Louboutins are very expensive. I just want to say so uncomfortable. Well, this is the they thing. did not look comfortable. I've heard of women having like operations to fit designer shoes like that on their feet. And mm-hmm. I would definitely have, like they would be like, here's some Louboutins. And I'd be like, great. I literally can't wear them. My feet are too wide. Um, yeah. But I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy for her slender feet. Um, $800. Cool. So they meet for dinner. They're wearing matching like midnight blue outfits. And they toast. I really liked Matt's uh, midnight blue velvet suit. I I thought it was snazzy. Me too. Um, And so he's like, you said you've never been in love. Tell me why. Um, Maybe because she's a young woman uh, and hasn't. It's not really remarkable at this point. She's like, what, 23? It's not that crazy that she's like not been in love. Like, why does that? Like, maybe she just, like, hasn't met someone to be in love with. It seems like a normal thing. Yeah. Well, she says, uh, she has an explanation. She says, you know. Because you must have one. It's because of me. I often felt undeserving. Um, I think when I met you, I felt like I didn't deserve to be with you. You're out of my league. And he's like, no. And she's like, no, I really do think that. Because I don't have confidence in myself. And that can be projected onto my relationships. And so I have a hard time opening up. And I just need to develop my confidence. And Matt's Look, like, let me help you with that. All of this is I'm is likely true. A, a lot of people have confidence issues. But there is something so frustrating to me about the fact that 
Um, and I think, you know, Zara brought this up during our pod last week, just like the responsibility that especially the women of color on this show seem to have to sort of like mine their trauma and especially their mm-hmm. racial trauma um, to make a connection with Matt, to connect with the audience, you know, watching back home. And then these white women go on these dates and they're like, my biggest trauma is that I should be more confident and know that I do deserve you no matter what. And I am really amazing. But that's just like a thing I have to work on because walls. And they're like, wow, yes. It's very clear why you connect with Matt. That is love. And I'm like, wait, we've learned nothing about her. She's exposed no parts of herself. Like, and I'm not saying that she should have to, but it feels the burden of that feels very unevenly uh, spread out and that felt really obvious and during it, this date it does kind of speak to why we perversely like enjoy those more uh sometimes exploitative feeling scenes because we don't learn anything about her it feels very rote right. it's like we asked her what's your biggest weakness in a job interview and she's like i'm a perfectionist like you're you're not getting anything you can hold on to narratively or personally it just like and then he's like, well, I'm crazy flat. about you. Like, I like everything about you. I find everything about you attractive. And you're it's like, like, what things? What things? Like, we don't you're know anything about her. Her only personality trait is being insecure, quote right. unquote. Men love that. Well, I know that because of One Direction. It's like, you're insecure. <laughs> don't know what for. But right? is that where she learned it? Like, we, we, her and I both grew up in the, like the, the era of One Direction. Is that just like what we've been conditioned to be insecure about? Here's the funny thing. I feel like I learned from One Direction and previous messaging that existed prior to One Direction that it was like kind of enough to be insecure. But the thing is, you also (laughs) have to be insanely hot. And I did not. (laughs) I was like, oh, if if you're just insecure, but you're not insanely hot, guys don't care. You know, they're not like, oh, let me help that like normal looking girl with her insecurity. Um, Fortunately, Rachel is like super gorgeous. And so it's very hot to Matt that she is insecure. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that really that like just delightful combo right there. I mean, I also feel like uh, now is the time that we probably have to talk about the fact that there is this like growing body of evidence um, specifically by like TikTokers and Redditors about Rachel's uh her family and her friends and her own history of cultural appropriation and racism, including like some evidence that both of her parents seem to be like MAGA esque. Um, her dad donated multiple times to an organization that was created for Trump 2020 um, and was like saying some kind of offensive things about social safety net and stuff on on Facebook there is a TikTok um that maybe we can link to in the show notes that kind of like lays all this out in a minute and as it's like some of these things like one like on one Instagram post um you know might not feel like a smoking gun but like all of this put together it feels like at best she grew up in an incredibly racist community in a family that ha- holds, you know, racist views, supports politicians that hold racist policies. Um, and and now she's on 
TV saying she's in love with the first black bachelor. And if there had been a lot of growth, like how interesting would it have been to see a conversation, a tough conversation between her and Matt, where she said like, you know, I grew up in a really white area and an area in which like this community, it's a sunset town, like has this really dark history of racism. And like, I want to be open with you about that. I mean, again, we would never get this on this show, but that's like another level of, again, that burden only falling on women of color rather than like white women who are seeking to marry a black man, not being asked to confront uh, their history of racist actions, their communities, their families. um, And that just feels really gross and disappointing. And it feels like it's this cloud that is just over all of Rachel and Matt's interactions. Yeah. And I think we even see at some point, some early in the season, we saw like a season preview where I think we got a glimpse of them having a conversation about race that was very like old school bachelor by the book, like color doesn't matter, you know, like it's about the person. And I, I may be misremembering that a little bit, but it struck me at the time. I'm worried that like that is a conversation we'll get and that it will be very shallow and and not really grapple with what has been shown to be in her past. And that is, I mean, that's a real problem. It's not surprising, but it's really disappointing. Yeah. And, and this is what, you know, it didn't happen in the same way with Rachel's season, but like you cast someone with this in their their past and like you know in lee's case it turned out to be that he was just like a racist bully on set um but you also don't want your black lead to end up with someone who hasn't really grappled with that um but they she says you know i'm falling in love with you and matt's like i feel the same way and then they kiss so she's like i think the first person that he's really said i'm falling in love with you too at this point Yeah, I think so. And they ride off on a romantic carriage ride. She gets the rose. And then uh, it's time for the group date. Serena. Serena Serena P. P. Serena P, Brie, Katie, Piper, Serena C, Ryan, Michelle, Brittany, Maggie, Abigail, Chelsea, Jesenia, MJ. Love can be messy. This means Kit will be getting the one-on-one. Love can be messy on a farm with chickens and mud. God, these like physical challenge dates are just still going. Yeah, I mean, I what mean, else are these they going to do? Women are troopers. They can't. Nothing, they can't nothing. do like There's a walking around people. the foreign city date. <laughs> they can go. <laughs> they can do this. Um, I don't think they warned the women that it would be a farm date. So no, they're wearing like cute date clothes looks. that yeah do not seem to be farm appropriate. <laughs> So the big conflict on the date or like the big narrative of it that we see is that MJ is has decided to like be very intentional about shining through and like stepping to the front. And it seems like the main way that this is happening is that she's like, oh, no, I'm afraid of chickens so that Matt will comfort (laughs) her. And the other women are like pretty annoyed by this. Um, But I think also there's just general tension brewing. Like, there, Matt's making out with Piper off to the side, like other women can see. Michelle is really struggling. She had this great one-on-one with him, and so she has these intense feelings, and now she's seeing him with other women. So it's not a fun date. I don't know. Would you guys have liked to do this date? 
I mean, I personally (laughs) do get freaked out by chickens, so. Mm, Sounds like you're lying. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sounds fake. (laughs) I even grew up working on a farm during the summer because my whole family on my mom's side had farms. And I look back and I'm like, I would never, I just don't, I don't need to go on a group date doing that. You're like, I've lived that life. You just feel like I'm going to sit on the side over here. I already did the farm stuff in my life. And like, you're just going to have to trust me on that. I mean, I've like watched my uncle like a chicken. Like, oh, see, that sounds scary. No, thank you. And he would try to get me to like pull the feathers out of it and like cook it for dinner. And like, I just like, I would be the MJ, but like serious about it. Like, no, like, I just, I don't want to. The chickens like, I I was like, this is the only time that I felt, um, I think, empathy for MJ during this entire episode was Mm -hmm. when she was like running away from the chickens. And like, I too find chickens to be, um, rather frightening so I too that's attacked by chickens when I was three years old and it's a traumatic memory oh my god no that's I got stuck in a chicken coop I like (gasps) went into the chicken coop and I got stuck and no one found me for like probably 10 minutes oh my god God. you could never do feel for MJ never admit that on the bachelor remember what they did with to Annalise with the bumper car trauma oh yeah there would be like a dramatic (laughs) reenactment they would have to hire like a toddler to like be in a chicken coop like slow motion but then I also know like anything else that I would say they would cut it out and just make my trauma the chicken coop oh 100%. and I would just be the chicken coop girl forever. yeah you would be you'd be like crying over like something real but it would just be like spliced into your description of your traumatic chicken coop experience and that would be like and and your your job title would be something like chicken survivor like <laughs> which is real that's like who you really are and you should but like listen the thing about birds is they have knives pointing out of their face. And I don't think that we should ever belittle anyone's fear of that. That's scary as fuck. Um, so <laughs> Glad we're all on the same page about this. So they all head to the night date. Uh, Matt starts them off by telling Chelsea he has something for outside. And it's like a little couch by a fire. And she's like, oh, I, I like you. I'm a little awkward with boys. And he's like yeah like I'm comfortable around you and she's like me too and they make out so things are going well so much (laughs) I really like Chelsea I too am uncomfortable around boys Um, (laughs) as we all are (laughs) same also relatable so Abigail also has a a pretty vulnerable chat with Matt I get the sense that Abigail was waiting to have a big conversation with Matt for a one-on-one date and then finally was like, it's not coming. Like, we're halfway through the season. We're getting to the point where I have to have this conversation with him to kind of re-grip onto the relationship instead of doing it. It's really unusual. It's weird. The person who got the first impression rose and has been involved in no conflict, like, wouldn't get a one-on-one. And we don't see him giving her special attention to, like, reassure her for that, which sometimes when you do see someone being brought along kind of late, we'll see conversations with the guy being like, trust me, like, I've got a plan for us or whatever. None of that. She's like, I feel like he's, like, not interested in me anymore, that he hasn't brought me onto a one-on-one yet. Um, So she tells him that... She knows he wants a wife and kids, and so does she. But there is a strong possibility that her kids would be deaf. And her birth father walked out on the family when she and her sister got their cochlear implants. Um, so she has this this fear that 
this will be a reason for a partner to leave as well. I appreciated that she said she made sure to say very clearly, like, I do not view my hearing loss as baggage. She's like, I have this trauma and I'm outlining it for you, but I'm not categorizing my hearing loss as the thing that is traumatic. It's the shitty response of this other person in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really, I really love Abigail and I hope we get more of her. Like I'm, there's just, I'm extremely curious. You know, there are a lot of like really interesting in politics when it comes to cochlear implants. There is like, like deaf culture is such an interesting, varied thing. Um, and I am just like, there was a New York Times article that I think ran the other week about people um, within the deaf community, specifically those who have had cochlear implants being like extremely heartened by seeing Abigail's presence on a mainstream show like The Bachelor Mm -hmm. um and so personally I'm like hoping we we get to see more of her and I was really glad that we got to know her a little bit better in this conversation love Abigail love her love I've loved her since the first day I was like this is this is the girl like one of them. She's just, oh, she's I the best. think she is still a contender, depending on how far she gets um, to totally. be the bachelorette. I could, oh, I could see it. I, I hope, like, I hope we at least get her, if it's not the next bachelorette in the future, she's from what, what we've seen so special. Yeah. And, and Matt reassures her that he feels the same way. Um, he's like, I admire all this about you. It's not like a roadblock for me. And they, they kiss. Um, Michelle also has a conversation with him where she's like, I'm having a hard time doing the group date, seeing you with the other women. And he reassures her as well. But now it's time for a more unpleasant conversation because (laughs) he had not gotten around to talking to MJ. (laughs) Maybe he was just really tired at the the rose ceremony. And he's like, it's time. So he sits with MJ. MJ. I've been told you are an antagonist. And this is where MJ does like the white woman thing where she's like, nothing has ever been more hurtful. I cannot believe someone spoke my name. I lead by example. I'm all about peace and harmony, which like anyone who has to clarify that they are all about peace and harmony, like I can't. Yeah. Like you're done. I also, it's really the incredible, it's like you can't call someone anything. Like calling her an antagonist was the most mild, like it's like a literary term. It's very, it's a very mild way of being like, I heard that you were being fucking awful. And he's like, I heard you were, (laughs) I would say maybe more of an antagonist in the situation. And she's like, that word, that word has been put out there, that famous word antagonist (laughs) that is used to smear women like myself who lead by example, (laughs) preaching peace and harmony. And it's unjust. It's unjust that I've been put in this situation and that word has been used against me. Um, And so Matt is like, yeah, no, sure. I Listen, that's what I thought. And like, once when I heard that, like, I felt like I needed to tell you just to get off my chest. She's like, sure, of course, of course, you can trust me. So she walks back to the the women who are on the couch. She, she comes in hot. Comes She's in like, hot. She's like, ladies, ladies, there's something Matt said to me. I don't like it. My character was put into question. 
I was called an antagonist. <laughs> I was called like, an antagonist. Can you I was believe? called an antagonist. Can you even believe? It's a really strong accusation, she yeah. says. She's like, the floor is open. Like, say it to my face. And is like, yeah, I mean, Matt literally asked me about what was going on in the house. And I mentioned that you were saying that there was like a varsity and a JV. Which we actually which, like, heard was. MJ we saying at the beginning times. of this episode. Multiple times. And over explicitly the last two to episodes. say like the varsity squad should get to talk to Matt first. So we know this is true. Yes. And Michelle's like, uh, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, oh, nothing. It was just like a joke. Just like, you know, I was just basically saying that the newer women um, were less than, but like, it's just like totally. <laughs> She's a like, joke. it was just a joke, like new and old, whatever. But like, don't question someone's character. That's hard, you know, like, just don't do that. Um, and Jasenia makes a really compelling point, which is the character is based on actions and behavior, which yeah, MJ seems to have really a lot of trouble processing. Like, character is the thing that she has. And her behavior doesn't reflect on that character and, in fact, should not be mentioned. It's impolite to point out that her behavior is at odds (laughs) with the character that she believes to have. And she has the fucking gall to say to all of the women, I lead by example. It's like, your example is shitty. Like, four times. Like, if you lead by example, you have a terrible, you've been setting a terrible example in which you have, like, repeatedly belittled the newer women in the house. Someone like, that's taught her the example. phrase. Lead. Someone was like, you should lead by example. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> she just keeps saying it like it's a mantra. Uh, blessedly, Abigail does get the group date rose. So we get a, a brief, you know, respite from the MJ, you know, yeah. bullshit. And I love that Jasenia actually calls out the lead by example thing before the fight wraps up. She's like, that really rubs me the wrong way because you made it uncomfortable for the other women and that's what you did. Um, and she really is holding the line throughout this in the terms of like, you can say whatever you want about who you are, but what you actually did is something else and that's what we're talking and about. And she points out that like, she's like, okay, so did you own up to your actions? And MJ like has nothing to say about that. Jasenia keeps making like very valid, clear points and MJ reacts by being like, I'm done. I'm just, I'm done here. Like you went after my character. I feel attacked. I'm a victim. Like she opened the floor and then was like, I can't, I can't because I'm the victim here. Like I'm being attacked. I'm like, girl, you just asked for feedback. You literally said the floor is open. Ugh, it was, it was. Love Jasenia. Love Jasenia. Love I was rooting for MJ. It's very disappointing. Me like too. Early on, early on, she seemed cool. And then she just lost it. Like the cool, chill girl with like the cool hair. I was Amazing. rooting for that Like hair. easy going. Yeah, it's full mask off. Like it's a very ugly side has come out. And I get that like what she's actually reaching for are very classic defensive mechanisms when you're like, you know, I'm the real victim here and, like, I'm a good person, so I'm sure I didn't do the bad thing. Like, whatever I did can't be bad by definition because I'm good. Um, but it's uh, it's damaging. Like, it's perpetuating the, the, the bullying to, again, as we, men- as we mentioned at the top, textbook, like, deny, attack, 
And then reverse victim and offender. She's like, I'm actually the victim now. I deny what you said. I'm attacking you, your character, and you're you're the person who's abusing me. Um, and so that's Yikes. a ticking time bomb at this point. Um, but first we have Kit's date. Her date card Which, says dinner at my place. She only seems to get a night date. It's interesting how yeah. they've done a couple of these where it's just like you get you get a half date. Basically, I wonder how the actual math works because I'm sure that like they get a longer stint in the house than they would if yeah, they had probably. like a sit down dinner. But I'm not. It's unclear kind of how much. Yeah, it's unclear. But I mean, this does. I do actually really enjoy when they do these more casual dates. It leaves a little bit more room to like see a couple actually interact and have a conversation. Um, Kit seems very emotional about the fact that it seems to be like a dinner cooking date because she says that like the kitchen is her happy place with her mother. Cynthia Rowley. Noted fashion designer (laughs) Cynthia Rowley. uh, And like she has told Matt that 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 is her happy place. And so she thinks like Matt did this for her. Uh, Meanwhile, Matt is just like swiffering his deluxe uh, apartment suite on this resort, <laughs> which, by the way, looked gorgeous. Yeah. I was like, that kitchen looks amazing. <laughs> and He'd I would like to stay it. there. He'd been cleaning it all day. So, of course, all it day. Amazing. All day. <laughs> um, and he has things kind of laid out to make cookies. So, they're going to be baking cookies together. And Kit's also ready to open up a little bit. Um, about all of the gold Bentleys she's had. A lot of her yeah. life is gold Bentleys and red carpets. And honestly, who among <laughs> us cannot kid, my My girl, like if you... To like, that. It, w- it was just the kind of thing where you're like, are you trying to be relatable? Because like that, saying that is like, not... Like you can say like it's been difficult to be a child of a celebrity and have like... and. You know, I have been forced to be in the public eye and not felt control over that. Like, that would be a thing that would, like, maybe breed some empathy. But when you lead with, my whole life has been gold Bentleys and red carpets, it's just like, yeah. what? I live a I life of unimaginable luxury, and that's been very <laughs> difficult for me. No, she doesn't frame it in the most, in the most sympathetic way that she could have. But I, I guess what she's leading up to is, like, at 21, it's been difficult for her to find love because... She has built up so many walls um, to, in order to cope with being in the public eye. Um, and like that's a look again. I that is actually a real thing, and I can imagine mm-hmm. would be difficult to be. I mean, Alexa, you're someone who was like sort of a public figure when you were pretty young, yeah, not like I, in the way of being like the child of a celebrity, but like that's a lot of yeah. pressure to put on. I was kind of trying to person. explain this to like batch chat a couple couple weeks ago because like there's always the like the like jab at like not even jab at influencer but I feel like it's like this thing that's like really considered to just be like fun and games and like they were like let's interview the influencer in the group and they were like asking questions and they were like oh my gosh it must be so nice to just go on the bachelor and then you go on revolve trips and I was like well my journey is a little bit different like I was 16 when I started and like didn't have any guidance through it So, like, I watched Kit's thing and I was like, well, I, like, kind of get it in a lot of ways. Like, my parents weren't celebrities. I wasn't forced into this. It's like I still didn't really know what I was signing up for going into this. And I was never, like, famous by any means. But it was weird growing up kind of knowing that, like, what I was doing wasn't normal. And, like, 
even kind of being like maybe adjacent to people that live a life like Kit was weird to see. But it was also kind of weird to see that being like, this is the struggle I've gone through in life. Right. Because at the same time, it's like I've also met people that are like Kit. I have friends that are people like Kit. And like they genuinely believe it's like the hardest thing in the world, especially within the New York crew. It's like I do get it because like I feel like a lot of people are going to make fun of her for that. But I'm like, that is all she knows. That's her world. And like she probably is going on to the show hearing other women explain their experiences and then almost insecure in the sense that like she's like, I haven't you know, gone through these things. My life has been peachy in a lot of ways, but she's somebody that was super interesting to me. So I kind of like dug up some info on her and it does seem like she struggled with a lot. Like she was never big or whatever she, but she did lose like 20 pounds, which you can tell is like kind of like a product of like having a mom that's a designer and like feeling this pressure. So I kind of have seen that like, she probably has gone through like public figure insecurities it's like yeah you know growing up and like when I moved here to LA when I was like 18 like a manager flew out of the sky and wanted to represent me and then like an agent told me I had to lose 30 pounds when I was what 125 pounds so it's like you hear all that and it's just like it's scary but we hear about it like all the time like people share those stories constantly I by no means was like I never even considered what I was doing was like being a public figure. It was just like there's people online that watch me that are a little invasive of my life. And like, I don't know, going through some stuff as like a younger person, especially like 21, like you just don't really know how to handle it. And you realize that your experiences aren't normal. And then you feel weird because you're like, I still feel pain and I still feel uncomfortable and I'm still insecure about things. But then it's not as valid when there are people that, you know, have grown up dealing with things that are just so much bigger and like it I'm sure she's like not only like the youngest person there which is probably something that she's insecure about but it's also like there's all these women that have really been through heavy hard things and like I don't know Kit's life no one knows Kit's life but I can imagine it's probably it's probably like challenging in her own way and it's probably all she's probably also growing a lot through this process yeah Yeah. I mean it's interesting, like, that she – you get the sense that she is grappling with a lot of this stuff, and she's still so young. She's looking for, like, a first relationship, and she's on a show where you're supposed to be, like, getting Married. into your last relationship. And, like, I feel like there's a disconnect there for me that, like, she's still at an age where she's coming to grips with all this stuff, and that could go in a lot of directions. Like, maybe she could process it really well and come out really grounded and cool. Maybe not. Like, she pulls up trying to, like, impress Matt by having a really expensive car, but she's also, like, this has been, like, kind of an emotional burden for me. She's not really figured out her relationship to all that stuff yet, and she's looking she's for in a the man midst of that who will process. help her process this by getting her in yeah. touch with what's valuable about her inside. And I don't know if this is the right place for her to get into a relationship, but maybe she will, like, go through some form of, of processing and and. and get something out of it I don't know I hope so I hope so she likes I yeah I think you both articulated that perfectly um and that sort of gets at like the fundamental tension I think probably lots of viewers felt watching this of just like I don't know exactly how to feel about this but um she they do seem to connect I think Matt and Kit are very physically attracted to each other um and she's like this is what our life would look like 
making out on kitchen countertops in a Nancy Myers kitchen, which like with Kit, maybe honestly, yeah. literally, maybe it would. It probably, probably would. <laughs> um, and she's like, "I'm falling for you," and he's like, "Here's the here's the rose." Yeah, I think Kit's cool. I I think she has the potential to become cool. Yeah, there have definitely just been like, some points when I haven't liked her at all, and other points where I'm like. So, like, I feel like I'm interested to see where she goes from here. I just, like, feel like, I don't know. It just, like, it, the whole thing makes me kind of sad because I feel like Kit is also, like, a city 21, which is a kid. Like, 21 in the Midwest is, like, okay, like, start thinking about marriage. So that's why it's hard for me because it's, like, I kind of know where I was when I was 21. And I'm, like, I couldn't even imagine being in that situation. Uh, yeah, no. I couldn't imagine being, like, sequestered and, like, like just, like, how like how you could feel insecure going into that situation so I'm almost like I don't know like I just like kind of feel for her even though people are probably going to listen to me saying this like are you joking like there's so many other women that are going through stuff I just like can look back at my life then and kind of just like empathize with her and understand what she's going through no but by no means do I think Kit has struggled the most on this show (laughs) I mean I think right yeah we're all clear on that um but Matt really digs her and they have a great date and she gets the rose and then the next morning they're all sort of anticipating the cocktail party and rose ceremony that night when a knock comes on the door and it is a they they seem to be taking a, a page out of the uh Tasha season there is a note saying mj and jesenia i need to know the truth meet me at the cocktail party before the other women arrive i kind of love this as an alternative for to the two-on-one date instead of just having me this too. whole thing where they have to like pretend they're on a date but actually they're just litigating drama in some remote location it's like, just go for the drama just, go. just have them come in don't <laughs> waste a date it's like impromptu two-on-one i need the two of you to like work this shit out and then I need to send one or both of you home. Like it's it's a better format. Um, and so MJ and Jasenia just like get up. Jasenia's like, well, guess I'm gonna go get ready. And MJ, again, just like, you know she's gonna come in hot. And she, extra hot. she has a lot to say. Um, she's constantly just like, the truth is gonna come out. I have the facts. And it's like, yes. But you didn't even deny what you said when confronted with it. So also, like we all have the facts. We which all at know one the facts. point when they are at the cocktail party, Jasenny even says, "Like, yeah, I guess the truth will come out when this literally all airs on national television." Yeah, what do you even say to that? I'm just hoping for a really generous edit. Um, and again, the vibe is very weird. Like it felt almost noirish to me. Like we're seeing these two like stone-faced women like painting their faces and donning their power outfits very gorgeous they were like ready for this proverbial battle mj's in like a blazer mini dress and her hair is huge she's like big hair big hoops big energy tonight jesenia's in a bright blue jumpsuit they're not looking at each other on the way over they're like getting their game faces on and so MJ has prepared a little monologue. Um, they sit down in the cocktail party area facing each other. And MJ uh, begins to speak. And I will quote here. This is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to be here. But I'm here because you said my name. You know what I stand for. I preach harmony, peace. You put my character in question with Matt. You put my relationship in jeopardy. 
based on an accusation you made about my character. I have never been more hurt in my life. I am furious right now. You should be embarrassed because we are here because of your actions right now. I felt like this lasted for hours. Like, she just kept talking. It's actually only a few sentences. But it was so unpleasant to listen to. And Jasenia is just, like, cool as a cucumber. She's like, are, are you done? And MJ says she is. And Jasenia is like, the only reason your name was mentioned be- is because you did this very specific thing, which is starting the terms JV and varsity. And MJ, again, has nothing to say to this. So she says, well, he'll know the truth by the end of the night. It's like, yes. Yes. He, he will. And the truth is, in fact, very clear. Like, you can say... I don't appreciate you bringing my name into this because I, whatever, was making a what I thought was a joke and didn't realize it was, like, contributing to toxic culture. Or like, and you exaggerated my involvement. No. MJ is just like, you're bad. I'm good. I preach peace. And that's the end of it. Like, it, it, the whole thing is so delusional. Yeah. And MJ also does this thing that I really dislike, um where she interrupts Jasenia, and then when Jasenia tries to continue talking, she shouts, stop talking over me, Jasenia. And she also interrupts her and says, you're done. This is done. You continue to tear down other people. I'm like, who did she tear down? The only thing she said was, MJ was a bit of an antagonist when she said JV versus Varsity. Like, it's a very specific claim. I actually And think MJ has ballooned this. MJ could have gotten out of this easier than any of the other women who we've seen confronted. Yes. She could definitely have said, I, I use the term and I regret it now because it was used in really ugly ways and I never intended that. Is that correct? No. But she could have spun it. <laughs> exactly. She, she did herself no favors. Instead... She just went on the offensive and attacked Jasenia as being, like, a person who tears down other women, which I also, like, deeply, deeply hate when especially white women try to, like, weaponize, like, feminist concepts Mm -hmm. and language in a way that is totally insincere and in bad faith in order to actually, like, attack another woman. Like, the whole thing is very twisted. And again, you just can't help but see the racial dynamic at play. Yeah, and it's gross. And I mean, it's it's the the very same sort of stuff that we saw going on with like solidarity is for white women. Like the whole idea of like, oh, well, I'm being I'm being criticized by these women. They're betraying the sisterhood by criticizing me and making me feel bad and harming my reputation. And so they are the villains of of the piece. And that is. You know, it's not an accurate reflection of what's happening, and it's it's a it's a it's an abusive tactic. And I, it was really hard to watch, honestly, especially because I did originally like MJ, and she has just mm-hmm. gone so far in a in a villain direction. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard, you know, like there's editing. I don't know how you could could edit the kinds of tactics into being. You know, you see her shouting Jasenia down. You see her, you know, saying, you know, it's your turn to talk, basically, or the floor is open, and then trying to control how long the other person talks. Um, it's it's a, a huge display of, of privilege and, like, very t- 
toxic behavior for lack of better word I don't know does anyone else have any thoughts I just no, don't I think, really want to emphasize that kind of that. sums it up I mean look it ends on a cliffhanger we know we're gonna have to grapple with this same very frustrating conflict next week I assume MJ is going to go home and then maybe we can get on with this and see some like actual love stories because I'm tired see some Chelsea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. imagine some she Chelsea, needs to shine some Michelle some like more Brie Abigail like yes. I need I need more of these women who have brought the like good connection good energy we're, we're just we're far enough in the season that I'm like over the mean girl shit and I want it to end and it's yeah. not I mean we also see in a preview that there's gonna be I'm not looking forward to this. Some some really nasty conversations coming next week. We see like Katie in a shouting match um, with Serena C. I with think Serena C. Who is one of I feel like the the women we've seen the most Mean Girl comments from who has not been explicitly confronted about it. Yeah. Um, like it just goes a lot deeper in the house than Victoria and Anna, unfortunately, and it's not gonna be all wrapped up by next week. But any any other no, takeaways from dream. this episode? I think we did it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think we so did too. it. Alexa, thank you so much for journeying through this muck oh with gosh. us. This no, was really, this was, really fun. This was Please awesome. come back. Please come oh back God. anytime. I just want to. Yeah, I would love this. Just, I love it. I love it. See, I love that like my approach to The Bachelor is just like very gossipy. It's like the couple of like beats I have in the in the week because there's nothing going on where I can like dig up research on these like fictional characters of real people. And like I'm pretty aware of what's going on. I have enough friends that have been on the show where I know that they're like stellar human beings that have had really bad cuts. Um, but it's fun to see it like super like a very broken down. Yeah. Broken look, down. Yeah, there we go. I think what we're going for in our commentary is like these are the messages that are being given to the people who watch this show whether or not it's a totally accurate reflection of like the specific individuals it's like okay what are the tropes that we're seeing here and like it's a lot of gross shit often uh and then you know look and production has really played up you know bringing the new women in halfway through like they they've had their hands in creating a lot oh yeah they they created this conflict and then um you know but Alexa, we appreciate it. And I appreciate your gossip. We, yes. We like it all. We like all of it. I love gossip. I could sit here and gossip yeah. all day. Same. And now it's time for Feminism Fails. And obviously, we had a handful this episode. Ooh, not a pretty sight this episode. So just let's start off with a light one. Uh, the princess date... The whole princess date genre is one that we do not care for. Um, there's the tropes of the the woman being like a Cinderella who is being spoiled by her male benefactor plays into uh, a lot of uh, gross archetypes um, of, of the dependent woman. Um, so I'm going to give that a 2.5, 3. You know, they do it for the men as well sometimes, but I still find the the message sent by these dates on The Bachelor to be really gross. Then we have Victoria calling Ryan a shady bitch, which I think is, like, pretty self-explanatory. Not good. Don't call other women bitches. And especially in this case, there was, like, literally nothing that we saw 
that Ryan had done to warrant any sort of critique or insult from Victoria, except perhaps maybe criticizing Victoria. Um, it's gross. We're going to give that one a four. Uh, next, uh, it's another Victoria uh, on her way out. Give, gave us a few femme fails. Uh, this one happened off screen, but it ended up playing such a big role in the episode. Victoria calling Ryan a hoe. Um, I the as we discussed, there is a really strong uh, gender and racial component to this insult, and uh, it clearly really hurt Ryan for a reason. Um, and I'm going to give that a five. I just think it's really unacceptable to talk about women that way. And then a big overarching one, which we discussed a lot during this recap, Victoria and MJ, we sort of saw them turning the tables, trying to play victim when Ryan and Jesenia tell the truth about the hurtful actions that they've taken. And this really played into a theme of toxic white femininity, sort of the weaponization of white women tears, the weaponization of this idea that white women are somehow inherently helpless and inherently victims um, and thus immune to any sort of real and just critique, especially by women of color. So we're going to give that one a big ol' five. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Alexa Losi, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod, and you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap episode six. Yes, we're already to episode six of Matt James' season of The Bachelor. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer. Because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.